to the BeeCast. This is Monica with you, and we are um, in the middle of our Be Redeemed series, and I'm kind of being your little host and intro today because Amber's going to lead us in a discussion. I love when I when I lead <laughs> I and Monica does the I intro. I always am like very unprepared, I feel like. We all, we all kind of are just like startled by it. <laughs> like, there's wait, this wait, a, there's, there's a glitch in the matrix. This is very I was very laughing weird. though because when you did that for her last week and I was like, yeah, I, I don't do that. You're like, I love it when Monica opens this up. Her voice is so sweet and soft. I'm like, yeah, and then you Hi, got I'm me. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Hi. y'all. <laughs> well, it is um, true though. So soothing. <laughs> to wrap up where we've been so far. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so we a couple weeks ago had our series intro, yes, which yes. if you haven't listened to it, please go do. It's not just it's a helpful. overview um, of what's to come, but it kind of just gives you some teasers and explains kind of a little bit about why we pick what we pick. Mm-hmm. Um, last week we talked about Rahab and how God redeemed her from being a prostitute to some pretty amazing family lineage. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about Tamar and not just Tamar, but Tamar and Tamar and, and Tamar. Tamar. Tamar, Tamar, and Tamar. <laughs> Amber. Every Tamar in the like Bible. A, how, many, really bad TV show. how many Tamars are in the Bible? Three. Tamar, Tamar, and Tamar. Yeah, mm-hmm. now, yeah, that's a little trivia for you. How many Tamars are in the Bible? Now you know. There's now you three know. of them. That's right. I did not know that when I said I would do this. I, I didn't either. <laughs> so when she said there's actually three, we were like, oh, well, this wow, will be very there interesting. there you go. We'll all learn um, something new. Yes. But before we get started, I think we wanted to give just a quick disclaimer, just in case anyone is listening in the car with kids. Amber, do you want to? Yeah. The, the stories of really all of the Tamars have some sensitive subject matter, and we just wanted to give you a, a minute to, um, if you are listening with kids, this actually gets a little bit more PG-13 than we normally talk mm-hmm. about. And it's not us. Uh, it's not our language. It's not us. It's, Shockingly, it's, actually, it's not Sarah's language. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's actually just the content that's in I'm the redeemed. scripture. It's in um, the Bible. So the Bible it's not like isn't always so uh, G-rated. So, yeah, and, that, and what we're talking about today does get a little bit more graphic than some things we would normally say. So, yeah. um, Did you hear what I said? No. That you say, calling me out for language? But I'm redeemed. <laughs> I am redeemed. Oh, that should be our theme song for this series. Oh, it should be. I like we should it. do that somehow. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about Tamar's cute. Um, there are three women in Scripture named Tamar. The first one is the daughter-in-law of Judah. The second one is the daughter of David. And the third is the daughter of Absalom. Um, but to throw you all for a loop, we're actually going to start with talking about Joseph. <laughs> so okay. this is why I needed a Venn diagram to, to lead this discussion. Um, because to understand Tamar number one, you really have to go back and look at the story of Joseph. If you are reading the story of Joseph in Genesis 37, which Monica, if you will, please turn to. Mm-hmm. I've got the ladies looking up verses for me today because it, it, we're going to be flipping back and forth a lot. Um, uh, if you're reading the story of Joseph, like in Genesis 37, like Joseph is trucking along and you're, you know, we all know the story with he's got the, his Technicolor dream code and all of that kind of stuff. Kind of it, in chapter 38, it just all stops. And that's where the story of Tamar in. And then after that, it picks back up with Joseph and, and moves on. So her huh. story is thrown in there right in the middle of Joseph's. And there's a reason for that, I think. Um, so Joseph um, has his his colorful coat and um, we need to just kind of point out three key players in the story of Joseph that are going to pop back up later on in the story of the three Tamars. Okay. The first is Jacob. 
That's Joseph's dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the next is Joseph himself. He's the youngest son at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And then the third is Judah. And Judah is the third uh, oldest brother with in the in the 12, the 12 brothers of Joseph's tribes. brother. Yep. Yes, in the 12 tribes. So um, if you will read here in a second, Genesis 37, 26 through 27. Okay. Joseph's brothers have gone off and Jacob said, hey, I'm going to go to your brothers. Joseph goes to his brothers and they see him from afar and say, you know, Joseph has had all these dreams about how he's going to be the greatest. And they are like, we want to kill him. So uh, they they throw him in the pit. They intend to kill him. And then uh, they see a caravan of Ishmaelites. And then that's where Monica is going to pick up reading verse 26 and 27. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let our not, let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. So that's who Judah is, in case you're needing okay. some reference for who this person is that we're going to be talking about. That's Judah. He's the brother that he didn't like. There was uh, the oldest brother was actually wanting to save Joseph and was going to come back later and save him. That wasn't Judah. He didn't really want to save Joseph, but he didn't want to be guilty for killing, killing him, him. So he just sent him away and right. was like, we're not going to deal with him anymore. So that's Judah. So they thought. So they thought. So then pause on all of that, and then in, ver- in chapter 38, we meet Tamar, number one. So Judah, uh, we put a pause on Joseph. Judah goes, and he gets married, and he has three sons, and their names are Ur, which I just guess that's how you pronounce E-R, Ur, mm-hmm. <laughs> Onan, and Shayla. Ur uh, is the oldest son, and he marries a woman named Tamar. So Judah's oldest son marries Tamar. Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law. Tamar, the, uh, her name means palm tree. The palm tree is the most valuable of eastern trees and uh, has ideas of beauty and wealth are associated with this name. Some also believe that the palm tree represents justice because the palm tree is what uh, dignified Deborah's reign or okay. judicial reign over Israel. Um, the Bible says that Ur was wicked and so that God killed him. And that's all it says. We don't know why he was wicked. Okay. But it says he was wicked, so God put him to death. Now, according to Jewish law, it was within Tamar's rights to sleep with her dead husband's brother uh, since he died childless. And we'll come back and talk more about that whole thing later on. So Tamar goes to sleep with Onan, who's the next brother in line. But Onan didn't want to provide an heir for her. So Tamar, when she went, it says, but Onan didn't want to provide an heir for Tamar. So when he slept with her, the Bible says he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. Wow. I know, that's, right? That's some control. I was just reading this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Interesting. It's not, this is not a nice, like, flannel graph-like story. So could he have not just kids. said no if he didn't want to do it? We'll come back to that. Okay. Yeah. So... We, yeah, we'll totally come back to that. Okay. So verse 10 says, what he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death also. Okay. So then God kills the next brother. So then Judah sent Tamar off to live in her father's house as a widow until Shelah, the youngest son, grew up thinking, and Judah was thinking he may die too, just like his brothers. So Judah was like, 
supposed to give Tamar the youngest son, mm-hmm. uh, but he said, actually, why don't you just go live as a widow in your father's house until Shayla gets older, and then I'll give him to you. But really, Judah was thinking, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, I don't my, want my, my boys youngest. keep dying. Yeah, yeah, I don't want my youngest to die too. So he withheld Shayla from Tamar. Okay. So, uh, so Tamar. It says that Tamar waited in her father's house for a long time, and that was in a lot of people presume several years. Uh, she got word that Judah was going to shear his sheep, and so she disguised herself and posed as a prostitute. She covered her face with a veil. Judah, her father-in-law, saw her on the side of the road and slept with her. He, uh, and he said he would send her a young goat as payment for sleeping with her. To hold, uh, to hold him to his word, she asked to hold on to his seal, cord, and staff, which if you don't know in Old Testament times, those were... Uh, items of identification for a person. So it was a very, those were very important items to Judah. So Tamar knew that if she she had him, if she had him, that he would be, that he would send the goat, which was supposed to be the payment for her. But when Judah's friend brought the goat to where Tamar was, Tamar wasn't there anymore. She had taken off with those very important items. Um, so after three months, uh, Judah finds out that Tamar is pregnant. Now, of course, he doesn't realize that he is the one who got her pregnant because she was disguised as a prostitute. Can we talk for just a just a quick highlight? Like, what was this disguise that he didn't recognize her? Yeah, I know. Like, well, she co- it says she covered, she her, covered head, her face so with a veil. Have, so she, she must have kept that on because he just he, he didn't say come live with me. He's like, right. just go sleep with me. Yeah, um, yeah. He she just did. Used her She's as like, a what's in it for me? Which is very interesting. Like, you know, because she left a life of prostitution. And yet now she's taken on the appearance of a prostitute again. No, she was never a prostitute. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking. No, you're thinking of Rahab. I'm thinking of Rahab. No, she was not a prostitute, but she posed as one only to sleep with Judah. And she specifically did that to sleep with Judah. Do we know why? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So I can't handle it. I'm so bothered. Days of I'm our lives. You, listen, if you ever need a good soap opera, just go just read. Just open the Old just, Testament. Yeah, just go read the Old Testament. Okay, so Tamar gets pregnant. Nobody knows. Nobody knew that she slept with Judah. After three months, she mm-hmm. obviously starts showing. Right. And Judah finds out, and this is what Judah says, bring her out and have her burned to death. Because that was mm-hmm. what happened if you were promiscuous as a woman yeah. in those days. Yeah, unmarried. But also an unmarried woman, but also the person who got her pregnant would suffer the same fate. Mm. So as she was, and this is, this is what's crazy to me. It says as she was being brought out. So like she was on her way to get burned to death. She sent a message to her father-in-law and said, I am pregnant by the man who owns these. She said, and she added, if you recognize whose seal cord and staff, these are. So she sends him his own, his own identification. Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her, give her to my son, Shelah. And he did not sleep with her again and provided for her the rest of her days. He took her, he actually married her and took her as a wife. So she must have realized he was never going to send the youngest over. He was not going to do it. Yeah. And she was shamed. Yes. And took matters into her own hands. She manipulated the situation. She sure did. Hmm. Um, So this, just on the surface level, (laughs) I... Andy, had, he was like, I think I remember something about Tamar and Judah. Remind me. I told him. He was like, why? Why are you picking this? This is terrible. <laughs> I said, 
oh, just wait, it gets better. <laughs> so we're going to come back because there are promise there's some good things here. Um, but we're going to take a pause on Tamar number one and okay. just go ahead and fast forward to Tamar number two so we can just know who all these people are before okay. we start diving in. So we're going to fast forward about 800 years mm-hmm. and talk about Tamar number two. It only goes downhill from here, people. <laughs> so Tamar was the daughter of King David, David, the sister of Absalom, and the half-sister of David's firstborn, Amnon. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens. Uh, Amnon, the firstborn, over time, developed really strong feelings for his half-sister, and he became, he became so uh, in love with her, quote, in love with her, that he became ill over his lust for her. Amnon had a friend and a friend, a friend and counselor named Jonadab, who uh, being said to be not only a crafty man, but was also Amnon's cousin, advised that Amnon pretend to be sick. Amnon did what was suggested and pretended to be sick and asked David to send Tamar to prepare food for him. Then he asked Tamar to have sex with him. Tamar desperately tried to dissuade him and, as a last resort, told him to ask their father for her hand in marriage, but instead Amnon raped her. Mm. So after the rape, Amnon was overwhelmed by hatred for Tamar, and he sent her home. <laughs> Tamar... He'd it, been, quote, in love with her all this time, right. and now he, and then now he, he hates on the her. side of her. It says that he developed hatred for her. Tamar expressed her grief by tearing her robe and marking her forehead with ashes. She went to her full brother, Absalom, who attempted to comfort her and took her into his home where she remained a desolate woman. When King David, her Tamar, Tamar's father, mm-hmm. heard about her rape, he was angered but did nothing. According to the Dead Sea Scrolls and Greek versions of Second Samuel thirteen twenty one. this is what it says, he did not punish his son Amnon because he loved him, for he was his firstborn. Mm. Then uh, Absalom who hated his half-brother, Amnon, because he raped Tamar, waited for two years, and then had Amnon murdered. Mm. Wow. And that is the Revenge story. Revenge is a dish best <laughs> served cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story of Tamar number two. And what's really just horrible, if you read the scripture, and this is found in 2 Samuel 13, uh, where it says that, where I said that Amnon sent her home, it was like, Amnon threw her out, right. threw her clothes after her, and slammed the door. I mean, it was a violent, like, Mm-mm. get out of here, disrespect for her. And in some translations, it says, like, send, uh, it says something like, send, it, send this out with this woman or something like that. But um, I've read in some commentaries it said, woman actually isn't even a word that's listed in that sentence. People add that in there. It's really like, send this out. Oh. Like just so like not even like trash. Identi- yeah. Not even identifying her as a human at that point. Okay. Wow. So we'll pause there. That's the story of Tamar number two. Tamar number three doesn't have much written about her, but here's what it says in Second Samuel. She's the son of Ab- I mean the daughter of Absalom. Absalom is Tamar number two's sister. Mm-hmm. I mean brother. And then he has a daughter. And names and her. And he names her, her after okay. after his nice. sister. Aww. Tamar. Yes. It says, uh, three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman. And that's really all that it says about her. So there's a lot to unpack in these three, really four stories, if you include Joseph. Um, so let's go back to Tamar number one, the daughter 
of the daughter-in-law of Judah. Okay, so we're going to rewind. We'll go back to Tamar number one. Okay, after Ur's death, Judah instructed Onan, Onan to wed Tamar in accordance with the law. Okay, now this sounds so weird to us. Like she, you know, her husband died and then she's supposed to sleep with her brother and have a son. Like that is just so foreign to us that it can be really difficult to understand why it's important. So I want to unpack that a little bit more. That it was called something, it was called leveret marriage, okay? Leveret marriage is when the oldest surviving brother of a man who dies childless is obliged to marry the widow of his childless, childless deceased brother with the firstborn child being treated as that of the deceased brother, which renders the child the heir of the deceased brother and not the genetic father. So if Onan had done what he was supposed to do, slept with Tamar, given her a son, then um, that son would not technically be considered his son. Right. It would be considered Ur's son and mm-hmm. would inherit uh, the land and money and everything that Ur would have inherited. Ah. Mm-hmm. So it makes you kind of understand a little bit more like, oh, so that's why he didn't really want. Yeah. Um, Tamar was left completely helpless without a husband in ancient times. Leveret marriage, while disturbing and foreign to us, was actually a means to protect the widow so that they were not left without a means of survival. Mm -hmm. Uh, Onan's heir would have provided Tamar with a double portion of land and money that would have set her up to survive the rest of her life in a day when inheritance was a woman's only means of provision. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a little bit more understandable why Onan didn't want that to happen because if... If Tamar never had an heir, if if Ur never had an heir, right. then Onan would more. receive all of that right. inheritance. Selfish little boy. Which is why um, Naomi was trying to get Ruth together with Boaz That's because right. there were no other brothers left exactly. for Ruth. And the, he was the closest family. Yes. Yeah. And we will talk about that, too. Oh. So, um, so then Monica said, which was my thought, like, why didn't Onan just say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. If men had all the... You know, this authority right. and power in that day, which they did. Why didn't Onan just say? I don't think, though, when it came to that, I think that it was your his father told him to do it. And I don't think he was allowed to say, no, I'm not going to. Not only was he not allowed to say no because his father told him to do it, but the law right. of the land uh. was very specific about this specific instance. So I'm going to get, will you read? I want you to look up Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10 okay um the law gives really specific instructions on how to address a situation where a man did not want to provide an heir for his deceased brother this is a kind of long verse 25 5 through 10 but it's it's really important 25 or 5 25 okay 5 through 10 I don't know if y'all have ever read much of Deuteronomy but All right. it's I actually there's a lot in Deuteronomy I adore it's crazy it's a really rich it's got book. a lot of well, it, it helps explain some of this stuff, like, yeah. mm-hmm. that if you don't know the backstory behind it, it yeah. can just seem really confusing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead, Sarah. Okay, so this is Deuteronomy 25.5. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. However, if a man does not want to marry his brother's wife, she shall go to the elders at 
the town gate and say, My husband's brother refuses to carry on his brother's name in Israel. He will not fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to me. Then the elders of the small town shall summon him and talk to him. If he persists in saying, I do not want to marry her, his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, take off one of his sandals, spit in his face, and say, This is what is done to the man who will not build up to build up his brother's family line. That man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandled. Okay. Okay. That's intense. That's crazy. For a woman yeah. to have the right to take off his sandal and mm-hmm. spit in his face in the presence of the elders and say, for the rest of your life and the yeah. line of your entire family, this is what, you'll be this is what will, you will be known for. Yeah. It was inc- kind of like a coward. Oh, right? yeah. You're like kind it of was a coward. You're incredibly just dishonorable. Incredibly dishonorable. So much so that it now makes more sense why Onan didn't pub- – he – he didn't publicly deny her right. that, but he, because he knew mm-hmm. really either way, he was going to have to give up his inheritance because the, at the end where it says um, that that man's line shall be known in Israel as the family of the unsandaled. Um, that's actually a really important detail because the, the sandal ceremony really didn't, I mean, it didn't mean anything to me until I read this in Ruth. So we're going to go back to Ruth and Boaz. Um, Now, in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So him remove her, that meant that she would get the inheritance either way. Okay. Removing that sandal was a sign of them saying, like, you're transferring that inheritance that you're trying to get. Like, you're transferring it to her. You don't have claim to that. That's not yours. Um, So... All of that to say what Onan did by sleeping with her and then not providing her with an heir was the most despicable thing that you could do. Wow. Um, Which is why God killed him. Because there was no retribution for that. There's no way for anyone else to know what happened. It was Tamar's word against Onan. Right. And God saw her in that. He saw how she was being abused there and being stolen from and Mm -hmm. being really having her entire life taken away. Uh, that God said, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let this stand, you know, which is in in a way a really beautiful thing that you wouldn't normally think. You just think like, this is really kind of weird and gross that she's sleeping with her. Well, it's similar to what's going to be interesting in talking about with Sarah that, because there were some things that Sarah and Abraham did that in today's mind, we'd be like, okay, that's horrible. Not so horrible back then, but how God took care of her. Yes in it yes he redeemed her in this process of what was going on right so this um issue of inheritance really when you look at it it seems to be at the core of tamar number one story and when i realized that after i realized that like this is really all about inheritance and her inheritance that she was Mm -hmm. trying to be taken away from her and that she's trying to get by sleeping with judah and all of this stuff um then i realized that the issue of inheritance is kind of has the same thread throughout all of these stories. So like, look at the story of Joseph. Um, his father loved him more than any of his older brothers and dressed him in a colorful robe. Joseph had a dream that he would become greater than his older brothers and that they would bow down to him. That's all an issue of inheritance. This is the older brothers being like, no, he can't have what we have. Like this is our inheritance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, then, uh, Tamar number one, Tamar is being denied inheritance from Onan and from Judah. And 
that's not just in Tamar's story, but in the, her children's lives mm-hmm. as well. So if you will read Genesis 38, 27 through 30, here's another issue of inheritance in Tamar's story, and this also ties in. <gasps> this is what ties into the red cord. When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Yes. So, so those are the only two times that the scarlet cord is mentioned is in referenced Bible. in the whole Bible. Wow. These two stories right now. Bizarre. Tamar. So, but it's the same issue. It's the same, the younger brother Mm -hmm. uh, claiming the inheritance of the older brother, once again. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that Mm because his hand came out first. Yes. So, and the whole scarlet cord thing is something I didn't even know that was going to tie in. That's crazy. Okay, so then there's Tamar number two. Um, And on the surface, it doesn't really look like her story has much to do with inheritance, But it actually does, because some people presume that Tamar was a royal priestess in the house of David based on her virginity, the robe that she is wearing, and the healing ritual performed by Amnon. Like, this was a, it was a Hittite um, uh, tradition and ritual that they performed where there was this royal line of priestesses who would perform healing rituals by cooking meals for um the ill people Mm -hmm. and it was part of their like their virginity and all of this stuff the robe that they wore it was very specific to this like royal priestess or whatever um and a lot of people think that that is what tamar's role was in the house of Mm. david was this royal priestess and that she went in to perform a healing ritual for uh, amnon and that's when he raped her and so when he raped her he took away her, her entire purpose as a royal priestess. It, that's why when she ripped her robe, it was so symbolic because that robe represented her purity. Wow. Her, mm-hmm. Yes. And here's something fascinating. The word that's used to describe Tamar's robe is, I'm gonna, not going to pronounce this right, kutnonet pesim. I know that's not right. Sorry for anyone who cares. Um, the only other time that that is used in Scripture Guess whose robe it's describing? Jesus's. Joseph's. Joseph's. The coat of many colors. Wow. That's what Joseph was wearing. The only other time that's mentioned in the Bible. Wow. So it's really oddly similar to, you know, Joseph's robe was taken, dipped in blood. Her robe was ripped and thrown out. Right. Um, Then the other issue of inheritance with Tamar, Tamar number two is the reason that David did not act justly in this situation and deal with Amnon the way he should have is because it says that he was the firstborn son. He was Joseph's heir. That's and true. so instead of dealing with it the way he should have, he didn't want to take away, take the, away the inheritance. Of his firstborn. Interesting. Hey, so there's another thread of inheritance. So then, Tamar number three, even though there's very little written about her, Inheritance still pops up in her story. Um, The scripture mentions that Absalom had three sons and one daughter, Tamar, but it doesn't list any of the sons by name, meaning that they probably had a less remarkable life than their sister. It's very rare that the Bible would mention a woman's name and not the names of the sons, but it never is it mentioned that uh, Absalom's sons' names, and actually in one point Absalom says, I have no sons. Uh, 
but he does. Yeah. So then another interesting thing, Tamar's grandson was Abijah, who was the king of Judah and a godly man who brought righteousness to the land. So despite her father's rebellion and lack of provision, Tamar went on to have a reputable lineage uh, through her grandson, Abijah. Wow. Okay. Yes. Okay, so now let's talk about how is this idea of inheritance important for us today. I need you to read Colossians 1, 12 through 15, and I need you to look up Genesis 46, 16. Okay, Colossians what? 1, mm-hmm. 12 through 15. Okay, let me just go ahead and read it. Yes. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have the redemption for in the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the what of all creation? Firstborn. He's the firstborn. So he has the rightful he has the rights to all of it. Like not just this like little inheritance that we're talking about here with these people. He has the right to everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and we, as the not even second born, right. have rights to nothing. Okay? So Colossians is written in Greek, but in Hebrew, this idea of inheritance and redemption is described in using the word gal, which is G-A apostrophe A-L, which is trans- translated as kinsman redeemer. Have you mm. heard this? Yes. yes. You know what I'm about to talk yep. about. Kinsman redeemer is this. what, yes. Okay. So this is about to get crazy, y'all. It means to redeem, act as kinsman redeemer, avenge, revenge, ransom, do the part of a kinsman. Okay, so I looked up examples of when the word gall was used in the Bible. And the first time this word is used in the Bible is Genesis 48, 16, which just so happens to be a part of the story of Joseph, kinsman redeemer. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to... Uh, kind of paraphrases because I know we're running low on time but basically what happens in Genesis 48 16 Joseph has been reunited with his family Uh, he has two sons named Manasseh and Ephraim he takes his two sons to his father who's dying who's going blind Mm -hmm. and he says I want you to bless my sons and he puts uh, Manasseh on Jacob's right hand and Ephraim on Jacob's left hand because that was the symbol of the older and the younger. And what does Jacob do? Crosses over. He crosses his arms and he blesses the younger one first. Again, this whole issue of inheritance is Uh tied into kinsman redeemer. Okay. I told you when I started studying this, I had no intentions of bringing be redeemed into it because I didn't know that's (laughs) what we were going to do. Okay. So I started out looking more into this idea of kinsman redeemer. uh, And that word gall Listen to this definition that is listed under the word gall. To redeem, act as kinsman redeemer, avenge, revenge, ransom, do the part of a kinsman. By marrying brother's widow to beget a child for him, to redeem from slavery, to redeem land, to exact vengeance. Who does that remind you of? To marry their brother? Yeah. Yeah, right? The literal definition of kinsman redeemer is what Tamar went through. Mm-hmm. Onan was supposed to be the kinsman the redeemer kinsman to her. for her. Mm-hmm. Judah was supposed to be the kinsman redeemer for her. Mm-hmm. Shelah was supposed to be the kinsman redeemer for her, and they would not do it. That's crazy. They didn't do it. Okay. But Rahab raised a kinsman redeemer. Yes. Rahab. Because Boaz is always called a kinsman yep. redeemer. Yes, he is fascinating okay all intersects oh yeah we're and we're getting down to the end i know there's a lot um i want someone to look up ruth 
four, one through six. I'll get that. Okay. Yeah. And I want someone else to look up Ruth four, seven through 10. Okay. And I'm going to talk while y'all do that. So um, when I, I didn't realize the whole kinsman redeemer thing had anything to do with Boaz until I started looking up all mm-hmm. of this stuff about kinsman redeemer because it's tied into Joseph, it's tied into Tamar. Mm-hmm. What is kinsman redeemer? And it's mentioned, uh, I was looked at, it's mentioned several times in the Bible, but most often mentioned in the book of Ruth. So then I was like, what does Ruth have to say about kinsman redeemer? Yeah. We won't go too deep into the story of Ruth because, yeah. you you know, we're going to have a full episode on that and it'll be awesome. Um. But Boaz, what's going on at this point in time is that Boaz wanted to marry Ruth and pay to redeem her and Naomi. Um, and this is what it, this is what happened. So here's a little bit of the backstory. If you could read Ruth 4, 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Bo- Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and he sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back with Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the deed with its property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So whoever this guy was was supposed to be Ruth's mm-hmm, kinsman mm-hmm. redeemer and failed he her. He said no. Just like Onan was supposed to be the kinsman redeemer to Tamar number one. Mm-hmm. Just like David should have been the kinsman redeemer for Tamar number two, but he failed her. Mm-hmm. Absalom tried to be the kinsman redeemer for Tamar number two, but anytime we seek redemption through unrighteousness, it's in vain. So remember earlier when we were talking about the sandal ceremony in yeah. Ruth and we were talking about how if Onan had publicly denied her they would have done the sandal ceremony yeah read ruth 4 7 through 10 uh now this was the custom in former times in israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other and this was the manner of a of attesting in israel so when the redeemer said to boaz buy it for yourself he drew off his sandal then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Amalek and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Also have Ruth the Moabite, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in this inheritance. That name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from among the gate of his native place. You are witnesses to this day. So what Onan should have done with Tamar is exactly what Boaz did finally. And he is the one who stepped up as the kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Now this is about to blow your mind. Read verse 11 and 12. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. The, or through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. May your family be like that of Perez, that wow. Tamar bore to Judah. Wow. 
Tamar number one is listed in the Messianic line of David, and she is honored by being listed with Leah and Rachel. So think about this. The elders speaking this blessing over Tamar, uh, blessing of Tamar over Ruth, who goes on to give birth to Obed, Mm -hmm. who has Jesse, who -hmm. was the father of David, David, Mm -hmm. who had Tamar number two, who was the grandfather of Tamar number three. Wow. Crazy. That's crazy. I told y'all this was going to be like a messed up episode of <laughs> This Is Us. Like, you're going to have to, like, jump back and forth between I mean, generations really here. But that's right. On the surface, these stories of the three stories of Tamar seem really hopeless and, like, messed up. But the beauty of these stories is found in the fact that though all uh, through all of the grasping uh, for their rightful inheritance and in all of the ways that people who were supposed to be the kinsmen redeemers of their life failed them miserably, these women are integral parts of the family that God used to bring about the ultimate kinsman redeemer who will never fail to defend us. Jesus Mm. is the rightful heir who willingly shares his inheritance with us. Wow. Okay, just like three more verses. Somebody needs to look up Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Somebody else needs to look up 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Okay, I'll do 1 Peter. Oh, okay, what was the other one then? Galatians three twenty six through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And we're going to talk about Sarah. Yes. Abraham. We, you know, that's the beauty of all of this. All of that that's talking about the younger will be greater than the older and all of this. Jesus had every right to claim his inheritance, but surrendered it Mm -hmm. to us when we had. First shall be last. last Yeah. We deserve none of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you to go ahead and look up Psalm. 16, 5 through 6. And Monica, okay. you go ahead and read First Peter 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Yeah, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Like, think about, we have an inheritance that is never going to, perish or spoil or fade but the only reason we have that is because of jesus christ Mm -hmm. okay last verse and then i'm gonna drop the mic okay tell me again what it is psalm what it's uh psalm 16 5 through 6 psalm 16 16 5 and 6 lord you alone are my portion in my cup you make my lot secure the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So who is our portion in our cup? Who is our inheritance? Mm, the Lord. The Lord. Like, that's where our inheritance is found. And the cool thing is that it says the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. That usually is referring to, like, a lot of land, the right, boundary right. lines. So check this out. Uh, in First Kings and in Second Chronicles and in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet lists the name of the territory of the future Holy Land to be occupied by Israel. Guess what the name of it is? What? Tamar. No. Oh, wow. Boom. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drop the biblical linear concordance. Wow. <laughs> I told y'all this was going to be a heavy one, but 
I mean, how cool. Who would have ever known any of this about Tamar? I've never heard a sermon based like talking about any of these women uh-uh. and I'm not, we don't have time to get into any practical applications. We'll get to do that with we'll some of our other, other episodes. But one thing I would tell you, like read some of these uncomfortable yeah, stories right. because there's beauty Get to know in them. them, learn their yeah. lessons. Christ is our redeemer, our mm-hmm. kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. and he will do for us what no man can or yep. would mm-hmm. do. And if you have been pushed aside or you have been forgotten or you have had something violently taken away from you, he promises to redeem that to mm. you, mm-hmm. not through anything on this earth, right. but through himself yeah. Yeah. as our inheritance. Yeah. Praise and the Lord. Some of that redemption may just show up for us later Yeah, on the other side. Yeah, for sure. You almost wonder since David came from the lineage of Tamar, if he named his daughter Tamar out of respect because of the stories possibly that had come from her, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. such a unique name and not so far away from each other. Not that yeah. far. I mean, 800 years, but, but, in, those it, days, but in biblical yeah. times, yeah. You know, the, the lineage was so important to them. Yeah. Wow. So there you wow. go. Well, Sarah, why don't you close us? All right. Father God, Lord, again, we just praise you for such a wonderful message. So I love just seeing these women and women and their stories just come alive off the pages of your word. And Lord, just the lessons that we can learn from them, that no matter what here in, on earth is happening to us, no matter how we are wronged, how we feel forgotten or forsaken, Lord, you are our Kingsman Redeemer, and you are going to redeem us. You already have through your death on the cross, Lord, and you have got purpose and plan for us. And we just praise you for that. Lord, I pray again that we'll rejoice in you, that we will worship and glorify you in the day that you've given us. Keep us all safe, and in your name we pray.